Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. I mean, I really thought we were going to be able to drive into camp, but it was really weird how that bridge was just like completely destroyed, forcing us to walk through these pretty quiet, spooky woods all by ourselves. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a very, uh, very Evil Dead 2, that bridge. Very Evil Dead 2. Oh, hey, we, we've we made it to camp. I'm so excited. We're going to get to, like, make s'mores, and we're going to take care of weird kids. We're going to get to go canoeing. Uh, 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 Josh, Josh. Jinx? Do you, uh, do you see that sign over there? You see, uh, <gasps> see what it reads, Josh? It did How much research did you do about this place before well, we actually showed up? Go ahead, go read, uh, read that sign to me. Hold on, I'm taking down, and... It says that it says camp is canceled. It says camp is canceled because a lunatic is in the woods killing off counselors. That's not good at all. I mean, what does this mean for us actually being camp counselors? I was really looking forward to this. I mean, this was the one thing that I was willing to let you out of the basement for, and now it's completely ruined. Yeah, yeah, I was really <sighs> um, looking forward to it too. <clears throat> well, I guess we could just go back to the basement. Um, no, no, hey, let's look. We're here. Okay. Uh, we're we're dressed for camp. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where we go from here. I'm a little scared, if I'm being honest. But well, you know what we could do. Since we're here, since we're already in our uniforms, we could make the best of things and just maybe start a bonfire and tell some scary stories. What uh? What kind of what kind of scary stories there? Are you thinking, Chief? I don't want to scare anyone. 
but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason Never Dies. Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Nay, this is actually not Development Hell anymore. This is the first chapter of our brand new miniseries, Camp is canceled. That is right. Every Tuesday this July, Development Hell is transformed, taking us back into the 80s to summer camp because we are unearthing four never-made Friday the 13th sequels. And we're doing it with the help of our favorite co-counselor, Jinx. Jinx, how's it going? I'm just sitting here wondering why camp was canceled in the first place. Did it, uh, mm-hmm, did it tweet mm-hmm. something problematic? Uh, <laughs> take some Ambien, you mm-hmm. know, shoot off the mouth. Like what? What? What did camp do exactly, Josh? I'm concerned. Well, I think there were a lot of teenagers that were just showing up without their heads, and also um, they assumed my gender, and I just don't think that was okay. So I'm gonna cut that out. But Jinx, <laughs> it's so good to have you back. And I'm so excited to have you here as the co-host for Campus Cancelled, this four-part series running in July. But before we get into it, can you do me a favor of reintroducing yourself to the Development Hell audience? Yes, my name is Jason Jenkins. Please call me Jinx. I am a writer for Bloody Disgusting. I have a couple of columns there, not the least of which is Phantom Limbs, which concerns itself with... uh, well, unproduced horror films. Well, specifically unproduced horror sequels and remakes and whatnot. And uh, I'm also a podcaster. I have a uh, podcast called Scream Addicts, which is currently finishing up its uh, its run of Hammer horror film commentaries called uh, Hammer Pub. Uh, we're, we're actually just about to record the 51st and last episode of that series. It feels like we climbed the mountain. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm, uh, I'm just happy to be here and chatting some more, uh, unmade horror. We are psyched to have you back and even more psyched to really be digging into the Friday the 13th franchise. I've talked about, hmm, Friday versus Jason part two and maybe dabbled here and there in the Jason lore, but this is the first time we're really digging deep into unmade Friday the 13th and I'm excited Today, we have our very first topic for Campus Cancelled. We are digging into the unmade follow-up to Jason Lives. It is titled Jason Never Dies. Pretty appropriate. And I think that this would have been a follow-up to Jason Lives, but it also would have taken place way further down the line, not with any of the same characters. But it would have been from our dear friend Tom McLaughlin, the writer-director of Jason Lives. Some consider it to be one of the best of all of the Friday entries. I mean, it's my favorite, so... (laughs) Um, I think I would say that it's my favorite, too. So I'm loving that this is where we get to start off. You're okay with it. Maybe we can jump directly into Jason Lives and our relationships with it. Uh, Jinx, would you mind if I gave, like, just a little bit of a seminar on the original film, Jason Lives? Yes. Yes, I would. Please don't. (laughs) So I'm kidding, (laughs) though. I do. And I was going to do it anyways. Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. This was written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. It is starring the likes of Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, CJ Graham, and David Keegan. This is the sixth entry in the long-lasting Friday the 13th franchise. And I think this was the third and final film to feature the ongoing character of Tommy Jarvis, and he is in the protagonist role. Um, Jinx, I'm wondering if you would be able to sort of give us a little bit of a history, a little bit of a backstory on Tommy Jarvis 
in the Friday the 13th lore and sort of how he gets to where he is in this film. Sure. So Tommy was uh, last, well, I wouldn't say last scene. He was initially seen as a young man, uh, you know, kind of perfect monster kid age in uh, the fourth Friday the 13th movie. He was played by Corey Feldman, uh, like long before he, uh, he was Corey Feldman. Uh, mm-hmm. We say that's fair. Like he hadn't fully. Oh, 100%. This was like of, the origins of Corey. Yeah, he hadn't fully Feldmaned yet. So, uh, you know, this was this was like nascent, like, you know, uh, young Corey Feldman, as it were. And, you know, uh, he he's a kid who loves monsters. He loves, uh, you know, making masks and whatnot. He's he's a fun kid. And, you know, if you were a youngster in the 80s growing up on. You know, maybe not watching these movies from beginning to end, but, you know, if you were anything like me growing up and watching them from around, like, you know, uh, door jams and corners and from behind (laughs) pillows, you know, uh, seeing a kid this age sort of uh, not merely surviving Jason, but taking him on head first, there's this weird sort of kid wish fulfillment of being able to, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, love monsters, but also tackled the scary stuff and you know uh best it as it were although it's more than a little disturbing when uh in the climax he shaves his head to look like uh baby jason and he goes at the villain with a uh a machete and chops him into uh well into uh into guru as it were uh it's wild that is a crazy ending to the fourth film that maybe doesn't get enough credit for how outrageous it is you know, and you get to that ending, and with Tommy, you get the feeling that, you know, it's very Halloween 4 with uh, Jamie Lloyd. You get the feeling that, okay, this yes. is where the franchise is going to go. We got this crazy kid, and he's going to grow up to be sort of the uh, the, the masked slasher's successor uh, oh as, as the villain of the, uh, the franchise. And then you get to Friday 5, and sure enough, he's grown up. He's twitchy. He's, uh, you know nervous he's kind of crazy acting you know he's hot uh, as hell i'm sorry to interject (laughs) and he is uh i do not know the name of the actor who plays him in part five and it's amazing Mm -hmm. to me uh that he is actually played by a different actor in every installment that he appears in but yeah he is he's played very damaged uh in friday five and uh, by the end, he's ultimately kind of the hero. Uh, it's revealed that uh, the killings were not carried out by Jason, but uh, by a guy whose son was killed. You know, he was dressing up as Jason. He, he somehow, someway found a great bald cap slash mask slash, yeah, you know, prosthetic. Jason hockey mask to to plop onto the front of it. Like, well done, Roy. Mm-hmm. Good Roy. job. Yeah. And I like uh, the little blue accent. So we, so the real fans will know the difference. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, but weirdly enough, at the very end of that movie, once again, Tommy is set up as a potential villain when he uh, he pops out from behind our final girl uh, wearing the mask and, you know, brandishing a, uh, a pointy weapon. And it's like, OK, so is Tommy going to be the villain in the next movie? And by the time we get to Friday six, I would say arguably, yeah, Tommy is the villain, because you know what, Josh, if mm-hmm. he had just left Jason's ass in the ground, mm-hmm. how many people? might not have died how many sequels might we have been spared had he not tried to dig jason up and do whatever the hell he was going to do you know what did he think he was going to accomplish it's very animalistic this this moment with jason in the ground where he goes yeah so he goes with his his buddy it's very frankenstein which is which i love so much the intro to jason lives and and he just needs to know that jason's underground and dead and so him and his bud unearth jason He's all maggoty and gross. And Tommy takes a big metal rod and just starts 
hacking him up further again. And there is something awkwardly like, I don't know, the way, when he really starts going at Jason, there's something about it that's like kind of sad and kind of like awkward. And you're like, oh, he's he's losing it. Yeah, I mean, and that is kind of a callback to the previous movie. Uh, again, you know, we have a completely different actor playing Tommy Jarvis in the sixth movie. It's now Tom Matthews. And uh, mm-hmm. unlike the uh, the twitchy, nervous, you know, kind of uh, borderline crazy character that we get in the previous movie, Tom Matthews is very, you know, he's 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 definitely the hero type, right? He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of, uh, you know... God, how would you describe him? Like he's, he's stoic, he, and he's like anti-hero energy, kind of. And yeah, yeah, I guess you know, brooding. Like, he's definitely he's like the superhero version almost of the previous Tommies that we've seen. You know, Very he's superhero. and Batman so vibes. kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this opening sequence is kind of cool. It kind of marries what we know of Tommy from the previous installment to you know, who will eventually know him as, which is the more standard Hollywood hero type in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, which is cool, you know? Um, but yeah, Tommy, Tommy is kind of a fascinating character to me. And it's amazing to me that he never popped up in any of the other, uh, I will say in Canon films. Of course there, uh, there are a lot of fan films. Yeah. There are fan films that, uh, I believe Tom Matthews even came back for one for one of the Womp Stomp movies. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, but he also came back. I think he came back for the video game. Am I wrong? Because the oh, characters right, in the video right, game. Right, right. I don't know if they. I, they definitely got his likeness for it. I don't know if. You know, I, I think I'm pretty sure they got him back to do voice work and stuff for it too. And you um, know, like even in the later movies, um, I mean, how do you not do a riff on Tommy Jarvis in like the 2009 movie? You know, or I know that would have been just, so cool if Jared Padalecki like had like encountered. Tommy Jarvis and like Tommy Jarvis sort of like helped. That'd be cool. Yeah, it totally you totally could have had him play a version of Tommy. You could have had a flashback with, you know, a child, and that could have been like part of his past. You know, it would have been such a fun bit of fan service to have done that. But instead, you know, we do still have this complete Tommy Jarvis trilogy, which is kind of neat on its own. But um mm-hmm. I don't know. He's a fascinating character. He's very much the um uh, kind of the Nancy Thompson uh to freddie yeah. or the laurie strode to uh to michael and yet you know he he, he, Very, he got it right get... with jamie lloyd he is jamie lloyd in a way oh 100 but he has yet to get his he he his halloween 2018 like i want to see an older tommy finally I love taking on that jason although you know do we is it tom matthews still or do we keep uh Keep to the franchise's <laughs> choice of having What's, a different Tommy. It's like a Louis Bunuel film, you know? It's like every time we see Tommy, he's somebody else. Who is so, in Halloween Kills? Michael something? Uh, the bald guy? And he's oh, from, he's uh, that was uh, Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle, yeah. That, whoever they got to play Tommy Doyle as an adult, that's that's who we should get. For oh well, no, no, <laughs> that's okay. Let me have my vision. So I think give me age. I don't know if the age works out or not, but give me like somebody like Devin Sawa, you know, as as like a I modern Tommy Jarvis. That. Although the age definitely would not work out, but who cares? It would. <laughs> I could definitely see that. Although you know, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but the sequel that Tom McLaughlin was thinking about was only going to set it in the 2000s. It wasn't going to bring it all the way till now, in which case I think a Devon Sawa would be a perfect choice for Tommy Jarvis. Although, 
he was never going to be in. Jason never dies. Would I be able to sort of wrap up the basic plot for Jason Lives for those who maybe aren't super well aware? Sure. So tell me how I'm doing with this one. But so as you were saying, we got our Tommy Jarvis back after this three movie arc. This is his final time appearing. And he basically accidentally brings Jason back to life in this very Frankenstein-esque opening scene where he uh, stabs Jason multiple times with this metal rod. The rod gets hit by lightning. Very Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Jason is back. And immediately the action begins. He kills the friend. Tommy races off into town to try to uh, warn everybody that Jason is back. No one believes him. And the killing spree begins. And I have to say, I really love how quickly... It all just starts. I think that's really clever. Yes, absolutely. The movie moves like a bat out of hell, and it's just so much damn fun. And I, I love McLaughlin's approach to telling the story where, you know, it's very stylish. It, it, it is scary. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also just so much damn fun, and it's willing to sort of poke fun at itself in a way that the previous entries weren't. Uh, definitely not saying that none of the previous entries you know uh weren't fun but like still you know i think friday six is what i think of when i want to have a good time watching a friday movie that or jason x like i think those two (laughs) sort of are 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 they 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 complement one another pretty well i think when it comes to the horror comedy of it all yeah Um, they're self-aware but they're scary and violent as hell and i don't know do you think that this movie friday six gets enough credit for not maybe not inventing the self-aware horror movie, but definitely being one of the first ones to popularize it. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I, you know, obviously I think, you know, when you look at McLaughlin, he was probably hearkening back to what, like maybe Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, you know, with Mm -hmm. uh, the sort of melding of iconic horror figure with, uh, you know, some yucks and, uh, (laughs) I kind of wish, you know, early on, I think, I don't know if it was before or after this entry, but he had mulled over doing a uh, Cheech and Chong, you know, uh-huh. led Friday Versus. the 13th movie. And damn it, like, I Jason. wish that that had actually happened. Me um, too. Because you know neither of them would die. It would have been so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think there would have been something really, really just fun about that. And I, I wish that, that existed. But I, I think... What he ultimately gave us with Jason Lives is still something that, again, it kind of takes the piss out of movies like this, but still allows us and invites us to have fun with it. And uh, I, I kind of love it for that. And for that reason, I wish we had gotten more from him. I wish he had returned and had done more Friday movies. I would love to see what his own personal trilogy might have been. Or if he, mm-hmm. indeed, back then, you know, if he continued working on these movies in the 80s, would he have brought Tommy back? You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. What would he have done? I know that they did ask him to come back for another film after this one did so well, and he declined at the time. Um, I also believe I've heard him say in interviews that he had been offered Scream. Does that sound familiar? And turned that down too, because he believed that he'd already sort of succeeded with the self-aware horror satire. I would love a list of all of the people that were offered Scream back in the day. <laughs> That's a like, good podcast. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's so many different movies that might've been made from that script. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, at that point, the Wes Craven wasn't necessarily the, uh, the obvious choice for material like that. No, it was a comeback for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And my goodness, what a comeback it was. Uh, so no, <laughs> I could totally see Tom McLaughlin having tackled Scream back in the day. And I think he probably would have done an amazing job with it. But yes. uh, it would have been different, but it would have been something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's weird with Friday six. I, you know, I note this is my favorite Friday movie, but for the longest time, it was one of the few Friday movies that I even liked. Um, you know, for the longest time, I always held that, you know, Friday six, Jason X and Freddy versus Jason were the only Friday movies that I, I enjoyed. Wow, uh, there was something about the franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried so many times I would do these big franchise watches every time that the damn things would, uh, you know, get a box set of some sort. I'd be like, okay, now's the time. This is the time I'm going to watch them and I'm going to get them. And I never got them. And I don't know why, you know, I like fun slasher movies. I think Jason is a great, like iconic slasher villain, but I just, there was something about the franchise that just kind of put me off and kept me at arm's length until that damn scream factory box set came out and it was mm-hmm. the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of days and I'm going to give it one more shot and try it out. And there was something, there was something about that rewatch where <laughs> it finally clicked for me. And now, like, I just, I love this series. I think it's so, Yay. Uh, but I still, I still hold two six being my favorite. I think that that is uh, it's the, my favorite as well. The pinnacle um, of the franchise. It's interesting that it sort of came to you a little later in the game because it, it arrived for me late too. I had been trying it ever since I was a kid and couldn't get into it. Like I got into Freddie and Michael and all the other guys. And I always kind of just played it off that maybe it was because it's a little bit more basic. Like it's a little bit more rough around the edges in its formula. It's not that creative. And that kind of put me off. Um, I think it was after the arrival of the video game where I really just clicked and I really just like got it. And then I can't get, and like, I still just like, I could watch any of these movies any day of the week. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think we have the fa- the same favorites. Cause I think my favorites have got to be six <laughs> X and Freddy versus Jason, but, but two is very important. And, and four is also great. And I have to say, I have a, do have a soft spot for seven and I don't hate eight. I don't <laughs> and, and one of course is classic. I can, honestly, out of all of them now, the the only one that I still don't... And it, here's the thing. I still appreciate it. I still have a fun time watching it. Jason goes to hell? But five. Uh, I just, you know, it's still a little too sleazy. It's a little too rough it, around the gross. edges. It's just not fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's probably... You know, I like Jason goes to hell. Uh, Oof, I, I like I Final Friday, you know? Um, Final Friday is great. Uh, and, and three is three is quintessential if it's anything you know yeah i mean jason goes to hell the final friday i think is really cool and uh, it catches I, so I, much I, hell i just find it kind of boring unfortunately which is i i do like uh film. oh i do like the eighth film quite a lot oh, too oh i love I, I love the boat movie it's yes. so fun the uh the New York movie that's not really New York. Vancouver. Uh, Jason takes Vancouver. I love it. Exactly. I wish that's what it would have been called. For all of five minutes, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I love. I actually love the fact that it's on a boat. I like they should have if it was like Jason at sea, I think I would have been just as down. Yeah, like that alone could have sustained like a concept for a movie. You know, Jason yeah, takes the high seas. Yeah, uh, Jason yeah Jason but instead Cruz- they were like you know they they pushed new york and it's just kind of like uh gang this is you 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 this is not the movie you made no no people were really really uh pissed 
that he didn't really get to go to New York. Yeah, but, but no, it's uh, I even like the uh, the remake, and I don't care Me too. Me too. Uh, how often the writers of that say that it was a sequel. You know, with some. Uh, retconning it's not it's a remake uh i know it's not a remake of a specific movie but also it's a remake it feels remake, remake, cool remake. remake reboot yeah i mean it's line. it's it's totally like i mean it opens with a remake of the end of the first movie and it does this kind That's of riff so on the first four films and you know yeah yeah that, that intro yeah so you know but so why they keep pushing like Oh no! This is actually the whatever the hell it was like the tenth movie in the franchise or eleventh, ninth, twelfth, whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's somewhere up there, you know, and it's just kind of like twelfth. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Like, there's no way I'm I'm buying that Derek Mears is playing like a version of like what did he do? Did he did he lose the mask? Go back to the bag and then find a brand new mask like to put on it? Like, come on, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's still fun. Exactly. Um, and I'm excited to dig into this franchise with you over the rest of the month because I think we're going to have a lot to say. But I'm really glad that we're going to we're start off with Jason Lives because it's one of our favorites. And I think um, I'd really like to know what a follow-up could have looked like. And before we dig you know, deeper into Jason Never Dies, I have some questions for you in terms of Jason Lives, which is what are some of your favorite kills in this movie? Oh, uh, you gotta love the couple uh, that gets killed. Like that. Well, you have to be more specific. Oh well, uh, the uh, oh the the I God I forget his name, but the bastard oh, from the end of it. Ghost. Um, the the one on the, on the in the Winnebago. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, the uh, the couple that he takes out with the uh, the saw the uh, oh the Mastercard gag. Oh you know? my God! And that's the wife of Tom too. I forget I forget their names, but the the woman is the wife of director Tom McLaughlin. Yes, yeah, and the guy is a he would go on the bigger things. He uh, he played the best friend slash villain in Ghost. He was like a uh, he's cute. Yeah, he was in a he was in a number of different things. I cannot remember his name. Uh, I feel terrible. I'm gonna look it up. I now saw it earlier today bad. too. But yes, I thought Tony Goldwyn. Oh, what uh, what an amazing sequence where it's right near the beginning of the film and there's this yuppie couple that encounter jason in the middle of the woods and they're very self-aware about it they're like people in horror movies when this happens nothing good happens to them and they try to get away and it just ends with a floating mastercard and i thought that would be a great twitter header image the floating mastercard (laughs) Um, the RV one is great. Like definitely him smashing the face into the, uh, the wall and doing like the weird sort of vacuum formed look of the screaming face. I think it's, I love that. Um, weirdly enough, like the, uh, the paintball slash smashing the head into the tree almost Mm -hmm. takes things too far when it goes to the yucks, like leaving a smiley face behind. I was just kind of like, uh, I don't know. I like it. I like it though. I don't know. It's that weird sort of thing where, I'm sorry, a face would never do that. I said the same thing <laughs> when Forrest Gump did it, when he wiped his face and the shirt came away with a perfect smiley face on it. I'm like, this won an Oscar over Pulp Fiction. Fuck you. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with um, you, though. It, it's a line. It's it's a difficult tone to straddle, and it straddles it very well. 
but there are specific moments that kind of take it a little too far. And yeah, that weird executives playing paintball in the woods is one of those moments. Yeah, I mean, I even like that sequence. It's just, man, it's 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 all about the smiley face for me. The That's what makes man it. was so familiar looking. <laughs> um, right? Otherwise, I would say, honestly, just as far as set pieces go, I mean, that final showdown in the lake and the boulder and the fire, like that is just, it's an all-time moment Classic. for that franchise i think it's so Classic. good although like that's what gets him like you couldn't just like undo the, the <laughs> thing a little bit but it gets him and i i do love that iconic image of jason floating up in people's dioramas and like it's just so good so and i think there is a installation somewhere on this god-given earth where someone did put a floating jason at the bottom of a lake to scare people Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Where the hell is that? Um, mm-hmm. I'll look this up because I love it because I want to visit that lake and go diving there sometime. I would love to go diving. Eh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think as you're looking that up for me. One of my some of my favorite kills in it. It's it's not a great kill because it's completely off screen. But the who are those characters? The the two girls that are waiting. The la- the last two girls that die waiting at the summer camp. Paula and Sissy, maybe, are the names. And it's just really prolonged them just sort of creeping around the camp, waiting for Jason to murder them. The The tension is nicely built. And actually, this movie is kind of scary. It is. It is, yeah. Uh, it is scary. It is fun. It's that perfect mix of the two, I think. Oh, by the way, um, it was Arizona's Lake Pleasant that has a Voorhees statue in the bottom. Oh, gotta go. Development Hell Road Trip. In May of 2018, uh, scuba diver Zachary Nahi uh, placed the Voorhees statue of his own in Arizona's Lake Pleasant. I love that. What a what a horror hero, that guy. We oh, love wait you, a horror second. hero. Apparently there is another one in a Minnesota lake. Even better. Come on. Like oh my let's God. just get one in, in Lake Ontario. Lake. Canada deserves a Jason Lake, too. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Although that would scare the living hell out of me. Apparently there is, uh, oh, in, is it Matawan in New Jersey? The lake where back in 1916 or 17, there was a, a real great white shark that had flushed like 1.5 miles inland from the ocean into a small tidal lake. I oh uh, killed a young boy and somebody who tried to save him there and i think there is actually like an installation at the bottom of like of a shark in the bottom of it and it's like isn't that in bad taste that's weird i do remember hearing about that recently and thinking ouch um (laughs) that is totally in bad taste uh it's kind of funny though you know it'd be kind of cool if someone did like a gigantic lovecraftian tentacle monster at the bottom of a lake (laughs) i love it and like didn't tell anybody about it love it i love it i wish they would i wish they would we we need to do it if they don't you and I, installation artists, this is what podcasting is all about. Jinx, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel ready for us to explore Jason Never Dies in a little bit more detail? Yeah, what the hell? Let's give it a shot. We've been talking about the man, the legend, for a little while now, but I was wondering, could you tell me a little bit more about who Tom McLaughlin is? Is that something you're comfortable with? Uh, sure. Uh, so Tom McLaughlin is a writer and director. He is also a musician, a hell of a nice guy. He has directed, amongst many other things, uh, movies such as One Dark Night, 
He did Date with an Angel, Fairy Tale, A True Story, uh, The Unsaid. He's done loads of television work, uh, including stuff for Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. He did some Freddy's Nightmares, uh, Friday the 13th series, which I think is pretty cool. Um, he directed Sometimes They Come Back, the Stephen King adaptation, which is pretty oh, really? good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, he is. Uh, and plus, he's directed loads and loads of like television films. Um, and not... Uh, necessarily all genre stuff either. Like uh, I think he directed some stuff for maybe like lifetime, I think classic, Uh, but yeah. And so no, he's, he's a hell of a filmmaker. He's a hell of a storyteller for the life of me. I don't know why he doesn't sort of get the same accolades as a filmmaker that, you know, some of Mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the, the usual suspects that we always talk about, you know, and maybe that's down to the fact that he didn't direct, loads of horror movies back in that period but i mean so far as what his abilities were i I feel like that's a guy that you know some studios cough blumhouse cough or you know somebody like them should maybe be looking at to bring back and sort of give him another opportunity to direct for the big screen again because i think he would probably kill it um from my readings so you you did a pretty in-depth article on phantom limbs about his never made follow-up Two, Jason Lives, Jason Never Dies. And in it, he was talking about how he was approached to do a possible follow-up back in 1986 after Jason Lives was super successful. Um, can you tell me what his response to that was back in the day? If he was interested or no? Uh, you know, like he said, I think the quote was something like, he was like, look, I'm, I'm spent. I'm done. I uh-huh. Everything I had, I put into this... Uh, this movie like Jason lives. And so he didn't really, you know, he, it wasn't in him to do a follow-up, you know, even though I think they had uh, maybe bandied around the notion of doing Freddy versus Jason. Again, there was that Cheech and Chong idea (laughs) that was sort of floated out there, but uh, you know, otherwise he just kind of moved on. He, uh, he, he left the franchise and never came back. And uh, until, you Mm. know, several, several, several years later, uh, he he sort of got the idea of doing a sequel, doing a follow-up, uh, and one that would specifically follow up on Jason Lives, and in doing so, sort of uh, retcon all of the movies that had happened between Jason Lives and now sort of out of continuity, because that's what we do these days. We uh, we retcon, we reboot, we, uh, we re-roll, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we sort of wipe away the more objectionable entries that we don't we reuse reduce and we recycle exactly (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i don't know if it's going to be too blunt force trauma to just get right into it but i was remember reading in your article that this was going to bring the friday the 13th franchise into the 2000s for a period piece i'm just wondering what what was jason never dies going to be about is that something i can just ask sure yeah uh so he got into it a little bit um, he talked about how, you know, when people think of this franchise, like its glory years were definitely like in that space in the eighties and nineties, you know, there is, there's an aesthetic to the horror movies of those, that time that is sort of, uh, sort of, you know, inextricable, I think from, uh, Friday the 13th. And so he noted that he basically wanted to take artistic license and sort of, bring the franchise back to that period. I think he said that uh, he wanted to set it in 1999. So right at the tail end of the nineties. And uh, 
yeah, he was, uh, he, he kind of wanted to set it in this period to sort of play on the paranoia that was in the air from, you know, the millennium and Y2K and all of those things. Like it wasn't going to delve directly into that stuff, but it was just going to add a nice backdrop for the story that he wanted to tell. And, uh, Apparently, his tale was going to follow a group of Catholic high school girls, kind of misfits, who, uh, you know, they're being held back a year. They were going to go on a Catholic retreat during uh, the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and they get snowed in, or rather, the road gets snowed in, and so they have to sort of divert away, and they wind up at this alternate camp, uh, which is a stone's throw across Camp Crystal Lake. So it's not actually Camp Crystal Lake, but it is Crystal Lake, and it is a camp on the other side of Camp Crystal Lake. Or, huh. So great, yeah, it's great, great. But strange, but odd, uh, you know, choice. But I love that idea, and also, you know, w- would that have been? I, I believe that alternate camp or that idea of another camp has been touched on in previous movies back in the day. But um, you know, I apparently they're just sort of hanging out there. They have no idea who Jason Voorhees is. They don't know the area. They don't know its history. Um, And, you know, then presumably Jason pops up and horrible stuff starts happening. And Mm, I love it. Yeah. So, uh uh, and apparently they were all led by, according to McLaughlin, a, uh, and I'm quoting here, a very stern ass nun. So, you know, you have a group of misfit girls, you have a stern ass nun leading them up, and then you pit them against Jason Voorhees in the winter because everyone has been clamoring for a Friday the 13th movie to happen in the snow. Uh It's going to be on Thanksgiving night, so it's going to be a holiday movie. It's going to be a Thanksgiving movie. And uh, weirdly enough, he (laughs) at the very end of our chat about this specific aspect of it, uh, the story, (laughs) he said that it was going to be his version of... uh, guess who's coming to dinner and uh, <laughs> the the answer to the question for him was jason jason fucking Voorhees. that's who's coming to dinner what a little genius man and what a what a great idea and i love the idea of it being a totally woman ensemble versus jason yeah. not really something we've seen before and i think would be really really fun something that i read in another bloody article from 2019 was that he in no way was interested in bringing back the characters of Tommy and Megan. And I'm wondering how you feel about this. Is this something that you are sad about or something that you just think makes sense? I get it. Like it makes sense. You know, for one thing, like the practicalities of, you know, yeah, if you're going to set it in 1999, but we're in 2021, 22, you're not going to be able to get those actors back and have them pass as just being a little over a decade older. Then again, you know, considering the franchise, they might very well have simply recast, but there's something a little unsatisfying, you know, about that, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. if you were having Tom McLaughlin direct the Friday movie where Tommy Jarvis and Meg pop back into it, but we're not going to have the actual actors playing those roles. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, uh, why follow up Jason lives? Yeah, I mean, why make it a follow up? Well, that's the thing. I I think it's only a follow up, you know, from what he was saying, I think it's only a follow up in the sense that, you know, it's, it's Jason Voorhees and it's Tom McLaughlin and you know, that's it. That's, that's the title is sort of, yeah, it feels like follow on, you know, Jason lives, Jason never dies. Uh, One wonders if the movies were only ever meant to be companion pieces, but you know, would there have been a third movie? And if so, what would that title be? Uh, Who knows? But I don't know. Jason never dies though is a, pretty great title so is jason lives 
I guess, you know, <laughs> if you did Jason Lives, Jason Never Dies, and then just, eh, Jason dies, you know? <laughs> yeah, or Jason Jason dies. I remember him right saying something, I don't know if it was to you, about how there was originally going, Jason Lives was originally going to be titled Jason Has Risen, but they were too scared of, like, freaking out Jesus people. Yeah, yeah, that probably would have, uh, especially, you know, things were so touchy back in the day, and one has to imagine that it would stir up that same sort of base again if he uh, uh, if he wanted to do a title like that. Uh, and I know it was back in the 80s, too. I do love it, movies though. were catching all sorts of hell anyway, so yeah, if he were. called it that, I, you know, it probably would have been uh, not great for him or Paramount. Uh, Jason to- Christ. <laughs> No, I should Pro- cut that. Probably okay. not. Probably not. From uh, but no, <laughs> no. I, um, I. So yeah, I don't think it, he saw it as a follow up in the sense that it's a direct sequel, but mm-hmm. it's just him sort of playing in that world again. And you know, the titles. There's kind of a continuity there, but that's it. That said, with the day and time that we're living in. You can't tell me that Paramount or whatever studio, New Line or whoever the hell would own these rights wouldn't come to him and say, okay, look, Tom, mid credits scene, bring back Tommy, you know, like it would totally happen. They would pop up at some point. Yeah, I think it would be, I think it'd actually be great if they somehow get on the radio and I'm the only person that hears, just like in the video game, is Tommy Jarvis and he's like living with his sexy girlfriend, Megan, and they're like, well, Gotta go help the girls. Uh, there was one segment I think you wrote about that just really stuck out to me about how <laughs> there was going to be a scene where Jason is literally chasing someone across the frozen Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> um, and that there was, it was also going, in famous Tom McLaughlin style, going to be very self-referential to horror tropes. Is that something you'd be comfortable talking a little bit more about? Uh, sure. Yeah. So he was talking about the set piece. And by the way, it is worth noting that, you know, he did put a lot of work in sort of conceptualizing this movie, not simply writing it, but he also brought on a great artist named Walter Figueroa, I believe, who did mm-hmm. all these great concept uh, art, that, like pieces of art to, you know, sort of illustrate what his, uh, you know, what his vision for mm-hmm. the uh, the film was going to be, and that article actually does post them at the very end of it, and people should definitely check those out because they're super fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, he basically ended the article by saying, uh, or our interview rather, by saying that he would uh, reveal one more secret. He said because it would be taking place in the winter, Jason would be chasing somebody across Crystal Lake. And obviously, you know, if you're going to try and run fast across a frozen lake, you're going to be slipping and falling. And this would be one of the rare times where falling as the monster's chasing you would make sense. Because, you know, most of the time it's like, why did you trip? Why did you fall? Come on. But in this case, you know, it'd be like, oh, we wouldn't have to ask that question. It's, it's slippery. Clear. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very funny. It's very self-aware in a way that he does very well and very charming and without being know- too sneering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although he did note that it wouldn't bother Jason, he would just keep coming on like a freight train. But I will say this: I would love to see just for once during a chase scene. I want to see Jason slip and fall, just and like a little bit. 
You know, just <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that happen. I want to see what his reaction is when it finally happens to him. That sort of moment where he's like, well, I'll be damned, you know? Ouch. <laughs> I love that. I think that'd be really funny. And I was thinking the exact same thing. One other thing I found interesting from the Bloody Disgusting 2019 article on the subject was that Tom was interested in mildly explaining, like, ugh, the reason why Camp Crystal Lake is so doomed and so cursed. And I think he gave a kind of, like, quasi-pet cemetery, the the soil is evil explanation, which if you get a little bit too deeply into, can sort of lead towards, like, in- indigenous reasoning, but I don't think they wanted to go there, but... I do think it would be kind of cool to give it a bit of a, a pet cemetery vibe and give an explanation to like why this whole area is just so evil and cursed, not just because of Jason. Yeah. I mean, I, I do love that idea. And what's funny is that's not the first time that somebody actually uh, sort of investigated that mm. as a notion. Uh, there was a great comic book series put out by, I believe Wildstorm Press back in the uh, mid aughts, and it was called Bad Land, and it did this sort of Godfather Two thing where it was part prequel, part sequel, where we see you know a typical Friday the Thirteenth movie where Jason is going after people who are for whatever reason at this point. Come on, people, stop going to fucking Camp Crystal Lake to stop it. Uh, but they're there; he's chasing them. Yeah. Bad things happen. But also there are these other stories from times past where other horrible things happen on this land that so the, the the notion that there is a curse there was sort of trotted out and that Jason, rather than being a standalone villain, he is just another aspect of the curse of this land, uh, which I think is really cool and really kind of fascinating. And I think in McLaughlin's mm-hmm. hands, it would have been you know, really well done and something that could have, uh, you know, made his sequel all the more special. Mm-hmm. Totally. Cause he really straddles the line between scary and tense, but also self-aware and, and kind of satirical. So I think he could have done both quite nicely again. Um, and, you know, I think that brings us into conclusion territory and I'm wondering, Jinx, do you think that there is a world where we're going to get to see, Either Jason never dies or just another Tom McLaughlin Friday the 13th. I, you know, are we ever going to see another Friday the 13th at all? Oh my uh, God. Who yeah. knows? Who knows with the lawsuit? Um, who can say? Um, honestly, like, I think we should. I absolutely think we should. Like the moment those rights issues get sorted out. Go to the guy who made one of the best. Let him take another shot at it. Give him a decent budget and let him kill it. Like, that would be amazing. But part (laughs) of me feels like they're not going to do that. They're going to do, like, you know, very modern, very slick and sleek, very platinum dunes, even though you can't very well say that that's modern. That's 13 years ago now um, that we got that remake, you know. But I just feel like. You know, with a lot of the different takes they were developing over the years, it seems like they're wanting to keep it grounded and keep it super scary and grim. And McLaughlin, you know, that's not really his bag. You know, he he wants to harken back to the fun days. And um, I get it if they don't go with him, but I really wish they would because I think he would sort of recalibrate the franchise in a way that it sorely needs and will need if it finally you know, get some life breathed back into it. 
But if you were given, like, the budget and the keys to either give a new Friday movie to Tom McLaughlin or Ronnie Yu, who would you go to? Uh, McLaughlin. So, yeah. McLaughlin. Although I, I wouldn't be able to answer right away, but I think I agree. I can. I will. McLaughlin. <laughs> uh, and thing, I don't even hate, like, I, I think Freddy versus Jason is an absolute blast. I think Ronnie Yu is, you know, he's a hell of a shooter. Uh, he is, <laughs> but... Um, but no, give it to McLaughlin. Like, especially considering that he's already developed it. Like, this mm-hmm. is something that he's been he thinking about. about. This is something he's been crafting on his own, waiting for his chance. You know, I don't think Ronnie Yu is out oh, there anywhere. He's never thought about Jason a second after that movie came out. I'm not sure he was thinking about Jason when he made the movie. <laughs> no, and it uh, is why it works. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it is it is kind of what it is. Uh, <laughs> I think McLaughlin loves that world. He loves that character. He, I, I love that he was honest back in the day rather than uh, cashing a quick paycheck and just churning out sequel after sequel. He told them like, look, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done it. at the moment. But now that guy has a, uh, a, a solid idea. He has set pieces in mind. Um, give the man the money and let him turn in some gold. I, I think he really uh-huh. would. All he would need is like 8 million bucks to make this work. I, you know, if he only needs eight million, give him sixteen and stand back. Oh, that would be beautiful, Blum. Listen, help us out, Daddy Blum. <laughs> and then um, let him. You know what? Craft a Friday uh, trilogy. You know, let uh, let Jason never dies do that. You know what? Talking about like you know a group of misfits stuck in the woods against like a supernatural evil uh, set in the nineties. Damn it, if Yellow Jackets is getting all sorts of love these days, and it should because it's an amazing so show, good. let McLaughlin do his 90s set Camp Crystal Lake horror movie. Come on. Like, That'd be cool. Do, let him do a trilogy. Do the first movie set in the 90s and then do the next two set in the present day. Age the girls who survive from the 99 movie up to like 20, mm-hmm. 2022. Bring back Tom Matthews as Tommy Jarvis. And, yeah. And just watch the money roll in. Blumhouse. Come on. Definitely 100%. I'd be more interested in that than the Exorcist trilogy. So we will see. What Exorcist trilogy? Are you joking? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Jinx, now that you're free and out in the wild, where can people find you online? Uh, so you can find my writing at Bloody Disgusting. You can find my podcast at screamaddicts.com or any of your favorite places to get podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Jenks1981. That's J-I-N-X-1981. I'm on Instagram posting all manner of weird, spooky shots. Uh, that is J-I-N-X-740-941. And uh, yeah, just give me a yell, people. Come on. All right. And, you know, since we're here, since we're in the woods, I think we might as well just stick it out at camp, just the two of us, till the end of July, because, I mean, what else do we have to do? Oh, I'm waiting till you fall asleep and then I'm escaping, sir. <laughs> That's what you think. Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. 
but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.